So welcome everybody to early childhood discussions and we invite you to join us for a conscious conversation. Um, this is a podcast sponsored and brought to you by the Grow New Jersey Kids Technical Assistance Center North. Um, we cover seven counties in the northern region of New Jersey, Bergen, Passaic, Morris, Warren, Hunterdon, Sussex, and Union. Um, I'm Lori Harchi. I'm project lead and technical assistance specialist um, at the Technical Assistance Center. And the work that I do is working with early childhood programs to um, go through the Grow New Jersey Kids process intentionally and vulnerably improving their quality. Um, and I help out with special projects in our office as well. Hi everybody, my name is Stephanie Boyson. I am a Senior Technical Assistant Supervisor and I as well uh, lead centers through the Grounded Kids rating process as well as uh, foster that independence in our TAs as well for our centers. Um, our topic for today is authentic family relationships in a virtual world. Right now we're in the middle of an unprecedented time and we are trying to maintain relationships with families and staff members and today we're going to be looking at that family relationship. So we want to start off with a quote. Um, this comes from a fabulous woman. Her name is Brene Brown. And it, the quote is, it turns out that trust is in fact earned in the smallest of moments. It is earned not through heroic deeds or even highly visible actions, but through paying attention, listening, and gestures of genuine care and connection. When we think about trust, what would you think about? I think about building and maintaining that trust through small actions, small moments, and that's how we can relate this phrase to our families and our care and also the children in our care. Um, you want families to feel you know, comfortable and wanted and also that they are able to come to our centers and places of business and feel safe. So I really like this quote for that. What about you, Lori? Um, I agree 100% with what you said, Steph. I think um, what we've heard is that parents' questions are different right now. Um, parents have always wanted the best for their children, but now they're even more concerned about the health aspects and can I trust this program to keep my child healthy? Can I trust that my child is going to be cared for in a way that is gonna be safe for them? Um, and so I think that's that whole thing of trust and then having to do it virtually, it's a challenge. Yeah, and I also think about children's safety too. Do they feel safe in their minds when they're at the center to build that trust with their um, teachers, but also does their body feel safe? Do they feel safe in the classrooms in regards to are things clean or you know, do they have um, enough room in the classroom to get around? So although parents think about safety one way, children think about it another way. So keeping the children and parents in mind is also a great thing to do. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, also something else that we should um, focus on too is being realistic. So trying to remember that when it comes to families and trust, you know, being realistic, giving yourself grace and also give grace to those around you. I feel we've talked about this many times that all of us are being impacted by this time in different ways. So it's, sometimes it's hard to have patience, but other times it's necessary to get through your day. 
Absolutely. Um, and I think that this pandemic situation can bring up feelings for, you know, within people. Um, and even though we've never experienced a pandemic like this before, and it is such an unprecedented time, the, the challenges that it's presenting um, can really bring up things for people in past experiences. It might remind them of a time that a loved one was hospitalized, or it might re remind them of a time that they went through a really hard struggle and there was a lot of uncertainty. Um, and I think that idea of giving grace, um, you know, recognizing in yourself what this might be bringing up for you and recognizing that it might be bringing up really strong emotions for other people as well. And then there's that whole idea of how to, um, how to handle, you know, those emotions um, when we're experiencing trauma. And I think we can all agree that this pandemic situation is very traumatic and it's long range. We've been in this situation for months. Um, that trauma can make people act in unexpected ways. You know, we think about that whole idea of self-regulation and we're all in early childhood. So we we know that over time, children learn to regulate their emotions. They learn how to respond in appropriate, socially acceptable ways. We can think about the, the toddler who is tired, who falls out and has a tantrum. Um, but over time, through life experience, through, you know, development of brains through their experiences with their early childhood professionals, their teachers, their caregivers, their parents, they learn how to act appropriately um, in interacting with others. But um, when we're under stress and trauma and this kind of trauma that we've been under, um, people's brains sometimes revert to almost that toddler stage. We, we talk about the you know, the amygdala kicking in, that, that fight or flight um, action happening. And so we hear about it on the news about people almost, you think of the, you know, idea of kind of going crazy when something happens. Um, they're, you know, asked to put a mask on or someone bumps into them in the store. Or, so I think the idea that people are on edge um, and that we, as the, you know, the early childhood leaders and professionals, we have to make sure that we're maintaining our calm and taking care of ourselves. Because in order for, for the families to trust us, we need to always be able to put on that brave face and we, we need to be ready to, um, to take care of ourselves in order to do that. Yeah, and we think about trauma too. I, I always tell people that trauma isn't is on a spectrum, you know, and trauma can happen at any time in their lives. So whether it be an adult or a child, a traumatic experience doesn't always have to necessarily be this like huge thing where you know it, it it's it's dangerous, or it could just be something small as um, you know walking past a car accident, or something as small as walking walking by a hospital, or seeing something on the television that affects them. For long periods of time so when we think about trauma during this time it could just be uh let's for example like your power went out that could be traumatic for some children depending on their self-regulation so you know 
dealing with adults and children that are in this dysregulated state, it could be different for every single person, every single child. Not every person or child will react the same way to different situations. And I think we can all remember a time when we have had a traumatic experience or an experience that has stuck with us for our entire lives. And this surely will stick with us for a long, long time. So keeping that in mind too. So being realistic about that situation and um, how it can affect our children and how it's going to affect our children in the future, we have to keep that at the forefront of our minds. That's what we do for a living. We, you know, we think about the quality of childcare and the mental health of children in our state. Yeah, I, I just was reading something this morning that talked about, you know, imagining what the history books, you know, 50 years from now are going to say about the year 2020. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and, and like you said, we're, you know, in the early childhood field, we're used to rolling with the punches. We're used to pivoting. We're used to dealing with situations as they come up because children are unpredictable and we have to always be ready you know, to make that change. But I think, you know, the changes we've had to make with this pandemic are, are um, uh, um, unbelievable. Um, and I think that the early childhood community has done an amazing, amazing work in, in doing things that we probably never thought we could do, maybe never even imagined that we would have to do. Um, and I, I see so many people working hard to find the silver linings and maintain that, that positive mindset, which is what allows you to take the uncertainty and the fear and say, okay, what can I do in this moment? What's the next step that I can take? Families are relying on me. Children are relying on me. My staff is relying on me. Um, how can we continue to move forward in a, in a positive way. Right, and I think that's that's really hard for um, us early childhood people to do, you know, leave work at work. You know, we're dealing with families and staff and children, it's hard to leave work and then shut the door and then let it go. Um, and that, it comes home with us. And I think the one thing that we focus on even before this pandemic is that thought of self-care and that thought of how we're taking care of ourselves. Where um, you mentioned yesterday when we had a discussion about this, you know, putting on your mask first before um, somebody else. And I think when it comes to uh, masks, meaning like the ones in the airplane, you know, they, they talk about that. Uh, putting yeah, on your mask. mask. <laughs> Not the actual, you know, just the mask we talk about now, but, um, you know, t taking care of yourself first, whether it be for your family, your care, um, other other parents that you, that you know of that you're working with. I think it's important to take that self-care. So, in talking with our directors and our staff members, how have you heard of any great ideas of self-care that they're that they're doing, or um, why it's important to them? Um, I I hear a lot of people needing to reflect on this because this has been such a long time. Um, I think people are kind of going through waves of taking care of themselves, and then when you stop to do those self-care pieces, um, that's when you find yourself not feeling as ready to handle the challenge. So the things I'm hearing people talk about being really meaningful is, is spending time outdoors, whether it's just taking a five minute step outside and breathing in some fresh air, taking a walk around the block. Um, I, that's one of the, the big things. Um, and then the other thing that I think um, is, I hear, I hear people talking about is, is trying. I mean, I know for me, I'm always 
I'm reaching for comfort food when I'm under stress, but trying to um, make sure you're drinking enough water, eating some healthy foods, um, just to you know keep your body in, in that ready to go shape. What, what kind of things are you hearing about, Stephanie? So like you said, I think it has changed as the months go on. In March and April, we had those really rainy kind of gross days and that really affected people's mental health, I know for me especially. Um, and again, I think it's something that is also personal to people. So if it comes to walking around the block or exercising, but also people have been, I've heard people um, staying together in parks, maybe taking a social distance walk or um, spending time outdoors. And now it's summertime, so there's a pool or there's a beach, um, getting out there and, and, and safely just kind of getting vitamin D. I feel like it's better to be outside in the sun sometimes than inside. But when it comes to directors, I think um, we, we try to mention how important that part is because they're, they're so consumed with the worries that they, they don't give themselves the time. So trying to, I think I try more often to help remind them to take that time for themselves with their families just to kind of get, just to recharge the battery. Once Monday comes around again, I think we all get into this kind of hamster wheel of emotions when it comes to our work that the weekend hopefully is, is a nice time to recharge. Right. And I, I hear people talking about also um, intentionally connecting with other people that aren't part of your work world. So making sure that you're, you know, spending the time to maintain those those relationships and those friendships, um, even though you can't um, necessarily physically be together as easily. Um, but just making sure that you're getting a chance to get away from work with that, you know, that human connection. I think sometimes in the early childhood feel we have so much connection with people um, that we can almost feel, you know, connected out at the end of the day. But I think making sure that you're maintaining those connections with people who are outside of your work world is good. So you're not always having to think about your, you know, your, the, the, the big responsibility that you have, if you can, you know, just take a few steps away from that once in a while to, you know, to spend time talking with somebody, somebody and just laughing and, and, and enjoying. Yeah. And, and I think it's a positive thing that this is all happening uh, in the seasons that we have. So we had it spring and summer, fall's coming up. So, you know, I think if we shift into wintertime or if we had winter time during this pandemic, I think it would be very hard. Um, and I want to be realistic about that, too. So if we were in a time where it was just too cold to go outside or too cold to travel, um, you know, it would be really hard to kind of recharge outdoors like we want to. So I'm looking at a positive in a way that spring and summer and fall are nice enough times we can be outside. Um, and hopefully when the weather does turn cold, it, it is somewhat back to normal. But, you know, you never know. That's so very uncertain. <laughs> Right. And I, I think we, you know, really, you know, with the time we've spent on on talking about that, that that self-care and, and taking care of yourself, being prepared to take care of others, um, it's such an important piece. And it, I think as um, people in the early childhood field, I think directors are used to giving, giving, giving. Family child care providers, teachers, everybody on the front, giving, giving, giving. So that that idea of self-care can be can be hard. And I heard someone say, you know, self-care isn't selfish. But I think sometimes we, you know, have been led to believe that self-care is selfish, but it's not selfish because without self-care, 
we're going to struggle to get through um, this unprecedented time. Um, I, I found another Brene Brown quote that I, I just loved, um, that the courage to be vulnerable is not about winning or losing. It's about the courage to show up when you can't predict or control the outcome. And I just think it perfectly sums up the pandemic. Like we need to have that courage to show up and we have no idea what the future holds. There is so much uncertainty. And in spite of that uncertainty, we need to make decisions. We need to make decisions based on the information that we have um, and move forward. Well, we're, if we're, you know, directing a center, we're leading a whole team of staff as well as, you know, being responsible for a large number of children, but family childcare providers also have, have that great responsibility um, in, you know, being courageous, making those decisions and taking care of what you need to take care of, taking care of those families and children that are relying on you. Yeah, and I, and I also think about families no matter who you are and what you do for a living, we, we all have the same thought process in regards to uncertainty and feeling feeling that vulnerability. Nothing is certain. Um, so I think communicating that with your families and saying, you know, we're not sure how this is going to look in the fall. We're not sure how this this will pan out for the next you know six months. And that's okay because without an answer, without giving them an answer, we're all in this we're all in the same boat. Is what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. You know, so explaining that to the families and the parents and just saying, I'm in the same boat as you are. And I think for us at Grow and J Kids and being TAs and working with our directors, I think we all have said, I'm not sure. And being, and that's that's a vulnerable part of our job. We want to know and we want to give them answers. We want to give our families answers, but we can't right now. And that's a reality that we're all facing, regardless of what we do for a living. So. Um, I, I do like this quote, especially when, when we talk about being vulnerable and you can't control the outcome. You don't right. know. Yeah, I hear so many, you know, people, you, know, you, you think about plan A and plan B, and I've heard people jokingly say now, like, what plan are we on? S-T-U, um, because we have had to make decisions and things have changed and we've had to revisit those decisions and we've had to keep moving. Um, but I think the uh, important things for us to, you know, think about are how are we making those decisions and are we making those decisions based on good, solid information, even though that information may change over time, look, where, where are we getting the information to make our decisions? And like you said, we're needing to tell families, you know, we're not sure this is our plan, but it might need to change. If this happens, we might need to do this. So being, I think, as transparent as possible, it requires a lot of vulnerability, but being ready to, to flex with the changes and, and using solid information to make those decisions. Yeah, and we are, we have to think about shifting our focus uh, as, you know, People that work in early childhood and also people that work with families, the messaging we have to get across to our families is we're all in this together, you know, um, and being as informed as possible and getting that th those facts. Again, it's facts. And if you can't give your families 
facts, I, you know, we try to say nothing at all because those are things that we don't want to misinform our families about. But at the same time, you know, you want to be transparent and be vulnerable and be honest and patient. Um, you know, a lot of the times we talk about directors and centers having this messaging pre-pandemic. Now we're hoping that that message kind of shifts into safety and trust and we're all in this together and transparency. So all those kind of buzzwords that we were hearing about, we're hoping that can kind of shift people's focus into getting back into the early childhood centers and um, feeling safe to move forward with, with that. Yeah, and I, I think what you said about um, that, that messaging and that we're all in this together, I know at the Grow New Jersey Kids Technical Assistance Center North, we have really been intentional about gathering groups of directors and family child care providers together to, um, to share strategies and to su support each other. And I think that's been one of the one of the things I've heard from participants is how much they appreciate that opportunity to talk with others, to bounce ideas off of others, to get feedback, to hear from other people who have already been opened, if they're getting ready to plan for that. Um, that we don't need to go this alone, that we have support and people here available to us to, to um, work together through this challenge. And I think that's one of the benefits, and I, you know, I'm sure you can attest this as well. I think a lot of our directors have said um, that I really enjoyed just listening to people's stories and getting the resources and obtaining uh, information from other directors because, again, everyone's in the same boat. Maybe not financially, maybe not with enrollment, but we're all in this kind of uncertain time where we don't necessarily know the outcome, we've been saying um, during this conversation. So it's really nice to connect directors together just to have kind of like the same playing field, you know, and not that it's a competition, but um, cross county, cross state conversations have been happening. And I think that's such a beneficial part of this process, and especially now. We try, we try, all, we try all year to have directors connect, but especially now, I think it's still beneficial. And I, I think one of the, you know, one of the great ways that, that we were able to connect people is through that whole um, message of being proactive with your communication. We had um, a few of our rock star <laughs> directors, and, and all of our directors are rock stars, but a few who had been really intentional about reaching out to their families um, virtually as this pandemic started, were able to share their their strengths, their knowledge, their expertise with a large community, a, a big audience of, of fellow early childhood professionals, directors, teachers, family child care providers, and talk about and demonstrate the kind of things they were doing um, to keep their communication solid and strong that was going out to their families. Yeah, and I think another benefit of, of this time, and again, I trying to see the positive in all of this, is we want to keep our parents um, as up to date as possible with all protocols, all new guidelines, all health and safety items, because I think parents want to know what's going on. And regardless of if they're, you know, they don't have that information at their fingertips, I think we should still be able to give our parents that information. Obviously, 
they all know that staff and directors are doing everything they can to keep that classroom and school safe. But you know, you want less parents to have questions. You want parents to be as informed as possible, pick up their child, be happy with the care that you're providing, and you want them to be as informed as possible throughout this whole time. So I think letting parents know what to expect, what is what's coming on the pike, if you do know, um, if you do know what's going on, any new guidelines, just to be as informed as possible. Mm -hmm. I process what's going on. If you do have questions, they come to you, but I'm sure with everything going on, you want less questions and more appreciation about having to be informed. Right, right. Because I think when people, when there's a lack of information, people make assumptions. Yes. And so if they're not hearing about all of the safety and health procedures and the new processes and protocols that are being put in place, they might make an assumption that that the program doesn't treat this um, as with as high regard as they do, that the program might not think it's as important, when in actuality, the program may be doing every single one of the protocols and then some, but if the families aren't hearing about them, they might make the assumption that it's not happening. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that this is a great opportunity to be really, really proactive. Um, one of the ways that's been suggested is through your social media presence and your online presence. So on your website, do you have a frequently asked questions section? Um, and mo many centers do, but have you updated it so that you got the information about COVID so that parents' questions are being answered before they're even asked? You know, you might put the question out there, you know, what is your program, you know, what is your program doing to um, keep children healthy during this time? And that's your opportunity to shine. You can talk about the, your procedures and your protocols for keeping kids safe, you know, as they enter the building, what you're doing once they're in their classroom, what kind of things you're, you've changed just so that everyone's on the same page and knowing exactly what to expect and how and how much effort you've put in to keeping your program a safe and healthy place to be. Yeah, and we're getting so much information from so many resources and so many different platforms that it's kind of like information overload. So you'd almost want to streamline it, a very simple, basic information page, or uh, even just like if you, can, if you have a website, you know, send out a PDF or an email um, to parents during this time because you know, everyone's getting information from all different kinds of places. So you want to be as, you know, simple and as streamlined as possible for your parents to, again, not have those follow-up questions, just be very uh, transparent. Mm -hmm. Yes. I know that um, a number of um, programs have been proactive in sending out little videos of what their classrooms look like before the children who have not yet returned. So I know even centers who are open might not have all of their children back yet. So sending out little, you know, what does, what does, what is gonna look different about this classroom when I come back in? You know, what does my teacher look like when she wears a mask? They talk about mask training and getting children used to the idea of wearing masks. So um, involving the parents, partnering with the parents in everybody, being up to date on what's gonna what's gonna look different, what's gonna feel different when they come, and the parents 
sharing that information with their children um, has been a real proactive way that from what I've heard from my vendors, kids are adapting really, really well. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the proactive nature they've taken to prepare the families and the children for what what's different. Yeah, and thinking about math, I know that's a very sensitive subject and topic for some families. And um, I think for directors and centers to realize that there is frustration there and there is some uncertainty and there is some, there could be some anger around uh, or, or fear around this, this process of wearing a mask. And one of my programs was FaceTiming with a new, a new family that was in their care. And the family was very worried about how, how, how that child would be doing with the mask on. And once they saw that child doing well, you know, it decreased that fear over time. So they've been open since May. So, you know, now it's August at this point. So, you know, it's small things like that that are, you know, helping parents feel settled. You know, we all feel a little unsettled and regulated at times, but helping the parents feel safe and trust you that you're, you're keeping their child safe is the most important thing. So regardless of how they feel about masks, it's their job as a center to keep the child safe. So doing everything they can to decrease that fear in parents. Mm -hmm. And I, I have heard from my programs as well, Steph, about, you know, making sure that you're being really intentional about over communicating with your families during this time. So being, you know, very intentional about sending a photo home during the day, um, touching base, because families are used to coming into our programs. They're used to, you know, having that quick morning hello. They're used to that quick chit chat at the end of the day to find out how their child, you know, how their child did. And it's that, that face to face um, aspect and that being in the building that's missing. So how to help parents know what is going on during the day when they can't come into the building. So I think that that also, that, that builds trust, sending, you know, home those videos, you know, sending out a, a quick, uh, you know, photo or a, a little text. Right. And there have been things and guidelines and policies and procedures that have changed during this time, obviously, but we're, the centers are still offering a high quality childcare center for the families to be a part of. So, you know, when it comes to conversations and materials and uh, communication with parents, those things should still be consistent. Those things should still be um, clear when it comes to communication with families. So, you wouldn't want to stop doing those things because of this time. You'd want to continue to consistently discuss what's going on with your family. So if a center has a platform like Tadpoles where they could send home information and pictures to your families, you were doing that pre-pandemic, you would just continue that, that process throughout this time now. So um, you wouldn't want to feel any different, although things are very different during this time. So you want to still be consistent with the care and with communication with families, but recognizing that things are changing and things are a little uncertain right now. So again, going back to that be realistic phrase that we said before, you know, everything is pretty much consistent, but we, we do have some changes coming at this coming to the center. So being transparent about that too. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that idea of reaching out to families in a variety of ways, because most programs that are open now don't have their full enrollment back. Right. And so the idea of maintaining those relationships with the families that are not yet needing their children in care. There, we have heard from many programs where children are expect, expecting to come back in September. Um, so it's, I know it's so busy within the programs, but you know, being intentional about maintaining the relationship with the children who are expected to return um, as, and interfacing with those families as well as um, you know, working with the families whose children, you know, did come back. I think that during this time I've heard, you know, there's no such thing as over communicating. Like that's what you that's what you need to do. You need to put the information out there in as many different ways as possible because people are um, just so busy that they might miss it the first time. So sending the text, sending the email, um, putting it on your social media, putting it on your website, you know, getting that information out in so many ways. And if you have parents that you have found that have really enjoyed, I wouldn't say enjoyed, but maybe have respected and appreciated this process, something that we've seen um, start to happen more often is parent testimonials. Parents and families that are uh, writing reviews for you um, or uh, on your website or writing a letter to you, ask them if they're okay or comfortable with adding a testimonial to your website or to your social media page because regardless of you know how much uh, social media you have, in this time, parents and families are using online platforms to choose where they want to send their child to school. So you know, being realistic in that sense too, of knowing that the internet and social media are a part of this process and it is a business like every other business you want the word to spread in a positive way and so having parent testimonials would be a great idea have you seen that mm -hmm. absolutely um i recently read a statistic that said 88 percent of the children born in 2018 were born to millennial mothers Mm -hmm. And so it, what does that mean? That means that a program that doesn't have an online presence, there's never been a better time to get an online presence. Um, in this virtual world, as you said, people are choosing their early childhood programs based on what they find online. So do you have an appealing, welcoming website? Um, do you have a virtual tour where um, families can see what your classrooms look like. Um, do you, can they hear your story? Why are you in this business? And I'm sure that it's a compelling reason, but they connect and they develop, develop and build trust when they get the chance to hear your story. And let's face it, we have all been looking for a service, a product, and we've gone online to see what the reviews say. So, you know, those parent testimonials are so important for helping to build trust and helping parents feel secure because one thing that is happening is that programs are recognizing that not all families are going to be able to come back to care. Right. Some families have lost their jobs and it's not a temporary, you know, loss. And so families, I mean, programs need to re-enroll. They need to seek out new families. And those families are going to hear about them online. So right. 
you know, if you had somebody, if you, you know, went in with the eyes of a stranger and looked at your online presence, what does it say about you? Does it say, we are a great program? Is your online presence silenced? Is your online presence out of date? You know, what, what might you be able to do during this time to make that online presence something that draws new families to you? when you're needing to build your enrollment. Yeah, and there's multiple there's multiple kinds of families. You have families that, you know, are struggling and they lost their jobs and they can't return to your center. There's families that um, they're working from home and they don't necessarily need to come back to the center. There's families that have to work and they have to send their child back and they're fearful still and, you know, dealing with those um, emotions. And then there's families that are that are new, meaning their child is very young and they have to put their child in daycare or childcare, or they are looking for a new childcare center. So you, know, you have all different kinds of families and all different kinds of possibilities to increase your enrollment. But at the same time, those new families are still fearful because they've never had a child in childcare before and then they're putting their child, care, child in childcare during a pandemic. Um, so that's a really hard thing to kind of process for some parents. And so how do we communicate being comfortable during this time with their decision to enroll? You know, how do we help them feel comfortable? And I think that's what we, what we have to help our directors do and um, mention to them is try to make those families feel as comfortable as possible to come into your center and drop your child off. You mm -hmm. know, I think that's a really scary part of, of this process right now. Right. And I think what that it what it comes down to is is finding as many ways as possible to let people know what you're doing because we we know how hard the programs are working to provide safe care to follow all of the health protocols to follow all of the office of licensing guidelines we know how hard they're how hard everyone's working but parents don't know that. And how will they find out? So that idea of communicating that out in every possible way in clear, compelling, wonderfully put together ways, that is what people are going to be using to, to develop that feeling of trust. Um, you can use your online presence to help parents trust you before they even pick up the phone. Right. And you can almost guarantee, almost guarantee that when a parent picks up that phone, they have already done some research to learn about you. And so when you get that call, that's your opportunity to continue to build that trust. I know some um, programs um, use a, a script so they have a planned conversation about how they are going to talk with that family um, and it's a great way at that time when a new family is calling to find out you know exactly why they're looking for care and what are their concerns what, right. what are their concerns so that you can be proactive on that call in addressing them right up front yeah and in a time where we are we feel so socially distanced and so physically spread apart. We still want to feel 
somewhat connected and we still want to feel emotionally connected and even physically connected being in the same room as one another sometimes feels like we're getting back to normal but you know we want to feel like we're not distanced emotionally or in a trust factor or being comfortable with one another so um i, I like that that thought it's although we are distanced physically we still can be emotionally connected mm -hmm. that's a positive thing too and i think we mentioned um, some struggles and some uncertainties and some fears, but there is some positives that we've seen during this time as well. Um, and I, I want to just mention that, as I mentioned before, you know, regardless of the time we're in and, and how scary this is, children birth to five and older still deserve a high quality childcare system and they still deserve high quality education. So though that one thing as well as health and safety and the, the safety and well-being of the children should not change, right? We want to make sure that we're still having conversations with children. We're still maintaining a safe classroom. We're still maintaining, um, you know, a socially and um, positive environment for them and just being intentional about that. So the positive thing is we're still providing high quality childcare in New Jersey. Absolutely. I've heard some people talk about the the challenge of the new small group sizes which is which is a, a tremendous challenge but some of the positives that are coming out of that is the um the intentional and increased one-on-one -on -one time with the children and so that is making for calmer classrooms and i think that is something that's going to continue because those kids are, are getting their their love tank, their, you know, their need for attention filled during this challenging time. And, and once the state allows those group sizes to increase, those children are, are going to continue with that positive in, enhanced relationship that they've been able to develop with their teachers. I think um, another, and, you know, another silver lining of this is um, the creativity that it has allowed everyone to use to figure out how to provide high quality care in this new situation with these new guidelines. How do we um, keep, you know, socially connected yet physically distanced? You know, how do we continue to provide all of that high quality? And um, it's been really inspiring to hear about the, the things that people are, are trying. Yeah, and I don't want to neglect the financial part of all this because we understand and we and we hear the directors talk about how it, it's going to be a struggle in the fall if we don't increase enrollment. And I just want to say, um, although small group size, like Lori said, that it can be a challenge financially, there are things that we're seeing positively come out of this entire situation. So again, we want to um, just mention that we understand and we hear how hard it can be financially. So I don't want to neglect that part, but we are seeing some really wonderful positive relationships that are being fostered during this time, whether it be uh, staff and director, director and families, you know, families and um, staff. So we want to just make sure that we intentionally mention that we do see and hear your struggles and we want to continue to talk about them. But we are seeing some positive things come out of this. That's not the plus. <laughs> yeah, and I think that um, that as a result of this whole situation, I think one of the wonderful things that I've seen is programs stepping up and advocating for their own needs mm -hmm. in 
very intentional ways. Um, and, you know, in the position that we're in, we're, you know, we're not able to advocate for individual programs. We're all about high quality care, but we have seen directors talking to each other and saying, I called my congressperson to tell them how I was feeling about this, or I shared this survey with my families to ask them to put in their comments about what childcare means to them and what what would happen with their ability to work if they didn't have childcare. So I, I think one of the silver linings has been programs being great advocates for themselves and sharing those strategies with other programs. And so childcare has been in the news so much since the start of this pandemic. The recognition that we have, um, it has just exploded. And it's been a very positive thing. And I think that I've seen such momentum from the early childhood professionals who are saying, well, if we are essential employees and if we are so important, we need to be treated that way. And so the, the, the stepping up and professionally stating what they need to maintain quality and to continue has been really a wonderful thing to see. Yeah, and, and thinking about a systems mindset, you know, when we are thinking about all the things that can affect child care centers, all the things that can affect um, the business of it, I don't think we can speak much about that, but I know that they're making progress and they're making change, and at least they're trying to get families and businesses back on their feet, and it's going to take time, and, and we're, we're a part of that process as well. So trying to stay, you know, we're, we're always a strength-based process here growing J kids, but we know that being realistic and transparent has always been a part of our process as well. So I truly appreciate centers and directors advocating for themselves and their families because New Jersey is so diverse and we have so many different kinds of family relationships and family dynamics that have to be talked about and have to be discussed for the success of our children. Yeah. And and I, I think that um, in the you know the early childhood field, we're always spending so much time, um, you know, taking care of children and educating children and engaging with families and doing 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 that we don't spend enough time tooting our own horn. You know, we don't spend enough time talking about the great things that we're doing because everyone's so busy doing them. So I think that it's been wonderful for the advocacy piece. And um, I think that, that that recognition of how valuable and how important childcare is will continue as programs become more comfortable sharing their strengths online. You know, those programs that already have that strong media, social media presence, that online presence are feeling the effects because they're getting calls those millennial parents who are reaching out you know looking for for new programs um looking for a place for their need for their first child going into care as you said stephanie during a pandemic so concerning but building building that trust um that we are you know so blessed to hear all of the wonderful things that all of these programs are doing 
and the community needs to hear hear those wonderful things that are happening too. Absolutely. So just to kind of um, summarize our conversation, which I think was so rich in um, great ways for our families and our child care centers to connect um, and still maintain relationships during this virtual um, time. Like we said, I think being realistic and transparent with our with our families has always been a positive thing. Um, continuing that communication with them, being as uh, focused in our message that we're all in this together, I think maintains that community of support and can uh, positively impact our families in the future. Trying to be as proactive as possible in regards to informing our families and wanting to keep that communication open um, and having some kind of messaging platform where we can give our parents the most information and the most uh, factual information would be a great um, accessory to your child care center protocols and guidelines. And, you know, although this is a fearful time and uncertain time, we have seen some fantastic and wonderful and positive um, outcomes from this time. So try to try to see the silver lining some days. We know most days are not rainbows and sunshine. But we are aware that there are some positive uh, situations happening out there. So continue to, to seek those out. I think that's a really important thing for us to continue to do. Um, what do you think, Steph? Do you think we should get together sometime soon and talk about how we can maintain those positive relationships within the center? Sure, and I think a big chunk of our conversation we didn't talk about is the staff. So I would love to just continue our conversation in a couple of weeks about how we can maintain that staff relationship. Mm -hmm. Because I think when we, you know, are, are looking at at what's going on, we are, are all in this together, and we are all feeling uh, stressed in a lot of ways, um, and we're needing to take care of our parents and, and helping you know them feel safe and secure and, and trusting um, and our staff need that, that same same boost as well. And I, I think we've heard a lot of great things about what some people out in the field are doing, some directors are doing to, you know, to intentionally think about taking care of their staff. So let's talk about that the next time. Great. Sounds awesome. And Lori, it was so nice talking to you. And um, we will talk very soon. Great. Good to talk to you, staff. Thanks everyone for listening and stay safe.